0: Every neighborhood has a heartbeat, a place that represents the cultural epicenter of the area at its core. In Boston's historic North End, that place is Boston Barber and Tattoo Company. Boston Barber and Tattoo Company has become home to A-list Boston celebrities like Gordon Hayward, Milan Lucic, Brad Marchand, and Aaron Baines. Boston Barber and Tattoo is more than just Boston's most well-known corner barbershop. It's also a tourist attraction for the hundreds and thousands of people that visit the North End Throughout the year, Boston Barber and Tattoo, a north end landmark that represents the cultural epicenter of the area at its core, located at 113 Salem Street. Today is Sunday, March 24th, 2019, and this is Celtics Beat here on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio video coverage of your boston celtics episode 307 featuring nbc sports boston's kyle draper is brought to you by bet get a 50 percent bonus on your first deposit by going to bet online.ag slash celtics beat and using the promo code clns50 at checkout again that's bet online.ag slash celtics and use the promo code clns50 that's five zero at checkout Evan Valenti filling in for Adam Kaufman here on Celtics Beat. Glad you guys are with me. Before we get to our amazing guest today, a couple of quick reminders. One, make sure you subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, all that fun stuff. Subscribe to CLNS Media on our YouTube page as well. And make sure you follow my guy on Twitter, Kyle Draper, my man, coming at you here on this Sunday. Kyle, I got to tell you, before we even get into the nitty-gritty of this podcast, I just got to commend you. I got got to commend everybody in the studio whether it's, you know, Chris Mannix or it's Forsberg or it's Scal or it's Max, uh the guys behind the cameras, the guys doing the guys and gals doing lower thirds, you guys collectively as a group at NBC Sports Boston have been killing it this season and on behalf of the Twitter family, we just want to thank you guys for making this season so enjoyable from just a production standpoint.
1: Oh, thanks so much, my man. Thanks for having me on the uh, podcast. Uh, You know, a lot of uh, creative people behind the scenes, Max Letterman, Jim Aberdale, those guys. Uh, And, and, you know, our crew at NBC Sports Boston, man, it's obviously about the Celtics. It's about the games, but it's not life or death stuff. We like to have fun with it. We, We like to, you know, joke around, kid around, man. So, you know, as entertaining the product is on the floor, we try to make it entertaining off the court as well.
0: Oh, you guys crush it uh, every single game. I love it. I, I can't every. I look forward to every game. Not even just the game. You know, if I get a little pregame, in, that's great. But post game, I need it. I need reactions after. You guys are always great for that. And of course, embracing weird, weird stuff like Twitter has been awesome for you guys. And you know what's great about you, Kyle? is know, you're a guy that kind of goes a little back and forth. You you do a little studio work. You know, you've been on the sidelines inside TD Garden. But again. You know, you do play-by-play for the Seas when Gorman is, is not there. What's it like? Because I, 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 I love Mike Gorman. I got to interview him last summer for the first time, and like it was such an honor for me. How nervous were you filling in for the legendary Mike Gorman for the first time?
1: <laughs> oh, man, it's, you, you mentioned it. The dude's a legend. He makes it look so easy. Think about it. I mean, he's been calling Celtics games for nearly 40 years. So people, and he said this during one of his commercials, you know, people who are like nearly 50 years old, The only thing they know, the only voice of the Celtics they know on TV is Mike Gorman. And so having to fill in for him, it's a big challenge. And, you know, doing the games that I've done has only given me a a further appreciation, you know, for how great he is, because it's hard. You mentioned it, you know, I'll I'll be the host. I'll do sidelines. I still feel like I've found my voice in those roles, but play by play is a whole different animal. And so, uh, I'm just honored, man. You know, it's it's always a challenge filling in for such a legend, but uh, I'm enjoying it.
0: I got to do something though. I I love hearing you on play-by-play. I'm not gonna lie, you and Scal on that West Coast trip were great. But I got to call you out for something, Kyle. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. If I'm wrong here, please, please feel free to correct me. I don't think on that West Coast trip out where they played Golden State, the LA you know duo in Sacramento. I don't think I heard you go bang, bang, bang one time on those four games, and I'm a little upset about it.
1: Oh, I know. I'm I'm sorry to uh, disappoint you, but, you know, you evolve as a play-by-play artist, (laughs) right? Bang, bang, bang was like my first play-by-play game. You don't want me to have the same stuff in game one that I have, you know, as I evolve in this profession. Yeah, but I need it, though, (laughs) Kyle. I need it. It's great. (laughs) Next time, I'll give you a bang, bang, bang just for you, my friend. Hell
0: yeah, man. Hell yeah. You know,
1: all that stuff is organic, bro. You can't pre-plan, bang, 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 it just has to come at you. Oh, yeah, no. It's got to you. flow. And it, and it
0: didn't on the West Coast. I hear you. I hear you. I, you know, I was I was talking to, you know, Adam and I, Adam Kaufman and I, every week we talk about, you know, what do you have for the, our guests this week? Just, you know, because we always plan our own show, but then, you know, as a producer, you, get, you understand, like, getting a different point of view is always good. So I asked Adam this week, I said, hey, man, you know, I'm, I'm interviewing Drapes this week, you got anything for me? And he goes, yeah, I got one. He goes, ask him if he's ever disagreed with me on anything because normally he agrees with me on most things that I say. And I said, Adam, I don't know about that. He goes, just ask him point blank for me. Do you Have you ever, ever disagreed with anything that Adam Kaufman has ever said?
1: Uh, you know, the thing is, I can't think of anything off-hand, but Kyle, Call him out, like, too. If you think
0: he's got something wrong, Kyle, call him out right now.
1: I, 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 I mean, he's mostly wrong most of the time, right? <laughs> I mean, him and his take, you know? So, uh, yeah, yeah, I can't think of anything offhand, but I'm sure, you know, if him and I were to debate something, he'd pick the wrong side, I'd pick the right side. That's just how it operates.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I get you, I get you, kid. Um, now, with all that being done, right, I got one more, cause I, I did do, like, uh, uh, throw out the Twitter. I'm interviewing Kyle Draper this week, and, you know, if you have any questions, yeah. throw them at me. And I got a lot of the same response, and because it's such an overwhelming response, I have to ask this question. What does it take to become One of Kyle Draper's guys, because you have a lot of guys out there, and I like I I like. There's there's certain criteria it takes to become a Kyle Draper guy. What is that?
1: You you first of all you got to be successful at whatever it is that you're doing. Uh, You know, no doubt. And so if if somebody has a bad game or does something bad for that moment, he's not my guy. He's Scout's guy. So I don't know if you've ever noticed when I do the show. If somebody throws up a brick or is over ten, I'll say, Scout, yeah, your boy Jason Tatum or whoever it may be." But when a guy goes off, he's my guy. You know, that's just <laughs> how it is. I only roll with winners, man. I only roll with winners. You know, that's how you know the Drake guy crew is. We only uh, roll with positivity and with winners.
0: The list fluctuates, is what you're telling me.
1: <laughs> exactly. Right. Depending the- on the game, right. dude, it can fluctuate within the same game. <laughs> somebody sometimes gets fifteen. That's my guy. But if he makes three bad turnovers in the second half, I'm like, dude, you're not my guy anymore. Come on now. You gotta you gotta redeem yourself now.
0: All right. Celtics Twitter, your prayers have been answered, Kyle has, has broken it down. Um, I love it though. You know what? You know what, you gotta you gotta ebb and flow. Like you're saying we gotta ebb and flow with play by play, you gotta ebb and flow with, you know, my guy. And I feel like you just this is your life like this is just your mantra, Kyle. You just ebb and flow constantly. Is this what it is?
1: Dude it's Yeah, sort of. And and it's sort of taken a life of its own. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, I started saying, you know, my guy, and then all of a sudden everybody's like, Drake, how many guys do you have? I'm like, well, hell, let me just run with this then, you know, and I'll, I'll just have fun with it. But, uh, yeah, ebb and flow. Go with the flow, man. You know, don't take life too seriously. That's for sure. Have fun with
0: it. Yeah, we all have our guys. I have guys that like I'm not really proud of anymore. Like I, I have like these corners with guys. One of them being T Rob, who's currently on the main uh, Red Claws right now. Uh, still holding that hope for that one. But uh, yeah, we all have guys. Come on, guys. Everybody, everybody has guys. And Kyle just has a couple more than we all do. Actually, now I need to get exactly. to actually I need to get to actual stuff about the Celtics because it's been. A tumultuous season, yeah. up and down, back and forth. And I remember, again, I watch. you know, I, I try to watch as much post game as I can. I, you know, you got stuff to do around the house, it can get kind of crazy. But the other night, I, I was interested because you and Scal were doing, were doing post game after the Sacramento game and they came back at home. And Scal asked you how you were feeling about the game and you were not convinced, even though that it was a win for the seeds, that the seeds were really playing that well. Where are you at right now with the current makeup, the current play of this team? They haven't they've you know been up and down. They've played harder recently in my estimation, but where are you at, Kyle?
1: No, they have played harder and there's a better energy and a better spirit and a better vibe. But I've said this for the last month or so and I still believe it. When you look at the top four teams in the East, the Celtics are right there with Milwaukee, Toronto, and Philly. And it wouldn't surprise me if any of those teams made it to the NBA Finals. I think they each have equal chances. I'm a little, uh, you know, disappointed in this season, no doubt about it. I had them winning 63 games. I thought everything was going to be great. And I'm still not sold that, you know, they can make it past the second round or that they will make it past the second round. Uh, you know, and I mentioned this the other day on uh, Celtics Post-Up, our weekly show, You know, we're hearing Kyrie saying he's going to sit out two or three games. Al's going to sit out three or four games down the stretch. And I'm not on board with that. I think this team needs to find its collective rhythm. And I don't think once the playoffs come, it's just going to automatically appear. And so I'd like to see the guys out there, if healthy, obviously, I'd like to see them out there playing to try and get this rhythm together because uh, right now they're still too inconsistent for
0: me. I feel that. And the one thing, I'll I'll piggyback off that. I, the inconsistency, in, inconsistency is killing me right now. But the one thing I will say recently, and we talk about Kyrie all the time. And honestly, for me, it's going to be just be too much. And I understand why Kyrie's kind of upset with everybody because everybody talks about him constantly. And he just can't seem to get a break. But the one thing about Kyrie recently, Kyle, I think he's done a really good job at the beginning of games trying to set the tone immediately. Like you saw him the other night against Philly come out right away and say, you know what, I'm gonna he had a couple of threes to start the game. I'm gonna put my stamp on this game now. I'm gonna try and motivate my guys now and then get him involved later. You saw it against Denver at home as well, the Isaiah Thomas tribute game, where again, he came out again with with uh, uh one of my favorite guys, Jamal Murray, uh went off last time they played. He tried to make it a point like I'm coming after whoever wants to guard me this game and try to put his, his stamp on it right away. So in, in that capacity, I like the way Kyrie is taking upon himself to say, look I'm going to come out. I'm going to do my thing to start, get everybody going, and then we'll build from there. But the consistency stuff that you talk about is is what's so frustrating. Whether it's play, you know, you look at Marcus Morris, who was red hot at the beginning of the season. Like white hot at the beginning of the season, even. Was the second best player on the team, then all of a sudden now he's tapered off and is it is becoming more frustrating. You have guys like Aaron Baines who's who's healthy, then not then hurt, and then healthy again, then hurt again. Now he's hurt again. You have Gordon Hayward back and forth. He's been up and down all season. I, I, I have a hard time criticizing Brad because there's been so much turmoil in terms of injuries, in terms of drama off the court. But at the end of the day, Kyle, Brad's kind of the guy that has to make these guys go. And I feel like there's an obvious move to be made here in terms of Morris. Like Morris, I feel like, has brought the team down a little bit on both ends of the floor. Jalen Brown, on the flip side, has uplifted his team a little bit. In your estimation, would you make a change at all with those two guys or any players on the team as we look towards the playoffs?
1: I don't know if I would because I don't think – first quarters have been the issue. Getting off to a high start. You mentioned Kyrie uh, has more than made up for, you know, scoring in the first quarter. If you looked at December when they rattled off eight in a row, a big reason why is because Kyrie came out and set the tone. I just think they need to get more from their bench. Sure, get more from Morris, but let's not act like when Morris was playing well, the Celtics were, you know, beating everybody anybody and everybody. Morris, like you said, for the first two to three months of the season, was arguably the second best player on the team. But what did that really get them? You know, it wasn't like they were buying for that number one spot. Playing well, so I, I think it's too simple to just say, "Oh, Morris isn't playing well. Let's throw in Jalen." That's not the issue. To me, the issue is has been the bench, and we've seen it come through a little bit as of late. Jalen Brown's playing a whole lot better, obviously, since uh, January. Gordon Hayward is in and out of the lineup. So you can't even get it into a consistent flow. I think Terry Rozier has been wildly inconsistent, and that's a huge uh, issue for the Celtics. And so I don't want to simplify it and say, oh, Jalen Brown, put him in and take Morris out. That'll cure all your problems. I think, you know, with guys in and out of the lineup, that's hurt them uh, with the lack of a bench. Because if you look at it, the second quarter is really where they've struggled Uh, you know, this season. And so when Kyrie goes out, who's that other guy that's going to step up? Tatum, I think, has to be better. So I think everybody has to be better. We'll point to Morris, but let's not act like the Celtics were doing great when Morris was scoring early in the
0: season. Right. And one thing, what have we said all year long about the Celtics, right? This is a team that can contend with Golden State because of the depth of talent this team has One through ten. I mean, Golden State has the big three guys, and if you want to add Draymond to that, you can you can do that. But they have as much top end talent as anybody else. But you look at you know roster spots five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten, where I believe most of the time championships are won with those guys. Boston's talent there is what was supposed to be the trump card, and yet here we are. We're in late March. We're going to be in early April. The playoffs are right around the corner, and yet your point is is a good one, Kyle. This is a team that has no consistent player on their bench that can step up and really take over when Kyrie's done. Look at the team they just played. They just played the Clippers, right? Clippers have a guy that comes off their bench and Lou Williams, who should probably start, but is very comfortable coming off the bench and lights it up, and hits a bunch of these tough shots late. And if you know their their starting unit can't get get any rhythm going, they have a guy off the bench that can be an instant spark plug for them. And then this year, Rozier hasn't done it. Jalen Brown has been the probably the most reliable guy in that role. Hayward, when he plays well, that's when this team starts to really click. So to your point, Kyle, and I want to, I, I agree with you on this. The bench unit, if I'm Brad, and if I'm Danny, and if I'm anybody inside the front office or the coaching, the coaching rooms or anything like that, I need this bench unit to just get a little bit of cohesion. Because if that happens, you start looking at Toronto, you start looking at Milwaukee and saying, well, you know what? They might have Giannis or they might have Kawhi Leonard, but We have the guys, uh, the other guys around Kyrie. And again, Kawhi is better than Kyrie. Giannis is better than Kyrie just because of their will on the defensive end. But we have the guys around Kyrie that'll make this work. And I'm with you. If this team cannot find a way to get any rhythm consistently from their bench unit. They're absolutely doomed, Kyle, and this season it goes up in flames, and it feels like that, you know, we had so much promise for this season. People, 60 wins, 68 wins, 67 wins. is going to go out in flames in in two rounds. It would feel like such a disappointment for everybody in Boston, considering how much success the city has had this entire season in terms of sports the last 365 days.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, Kyrie has to be great it feels like for this Celtics team to win. And it's not supposed to be like that because you mentioned it. We talked about that depth. One thing Brad can do is maybe stagger the lineups a little bit better. You know, go with your starting five, maybe bring Tatum out early uh, and and then bring him back in when Kyrie's like, who's your second offensive option? You know, and I don't know if the Celtics have a clear cut one right now. Is it Tatum? Are you really relying on a second year player to be your second Offensive option. and so you look at a team like Philly the other night. They don't. Of course,
0: you pick bench, Philly, really, right? Of course, you pick Philly.
1: They, uh, of course, you know I'm a Philly guy, but I'm. That was the last game. They don't have a bench, but what they have is five starters, and let's say four. Let's say let's take out Ben Simmons. Four starters that can get you a bucket at any time, and what they do, and Brett Brown does, and I'm not a Brett Brown fan. Trust me on that. But they have the ability to stagger. Their lineups where at any point you can have two of those starters in there and you know, those two starters can get buckets. Who's that guy other than Kyrie Irving that you keep in the game when Kyrie's out that can go out there and get you buckets. Tatum's been inconsistent. He's having a good season, but he's sort of been inconsistent. So somebody has to step up and be that guy when uh, Kyrie's out.
0: I agree with you. And I think it has to be Tatum and Tatum has been, you know, everybody's favorite young player in the league by, you know, depends on who you are, but he's in the top three or whatever. He's one of the most tradable assets on the market, but his three point percentage recently has dropped to an abysmal rate, especially when you consider how well he shot it from three point range as a, as a, as a rookie in the league. And I, I think I'm with you. It has to be Tatum. It's not Al Horford's game to really take over an offensive role, although he's been extremely good on the offensive end recently. Um, it's not his mantra. It's not his mentality to take over a game like that. Morris wants to, but Morris has been throwing up bricks for the past couple of months. You know, Brown can't do it from the bench. I think it has to be. I think you're right. I think the move is, how do we find a way to get Jason Tatum more engaged and more involved in this offense when Kyrie's off the floor? How we can make him a better focal point? Because, again, you go back to just last year, Game 7 of the NBA Eastern Conference Finals, Tatum's a guy going toe-for-toe with LeBron James in Game 7. And that's something that you wanted to build on in year two, and we really haven't seen it. Like, I, 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 I don't know if it's the way that the Celtics move their offense. I don't know if it's if it's Brad telling people to focus on, but it doesn't feel like Jason Tatum is nearly aggressive enough when it comes to you know finding and hunting a shot, especially when Kyrie's on the floor. But when he's off the floor, he's got to find a way to become a more. Uh, Not, I guess, dominance away, but a more aggressive player. I feel like that Tatum is trying too hard right now because last year I think it was more of his role to be a more passive guy, right? To to just fit into the offense, fit in the flow, and don't do anything that you know is going to be overwhelming. I know he's second on the team in shots; he's got thirteen point two shots per game. But I think there has to be more. I think we got to find a way. If I'm Brad, take shots from some other guys and feed Tatum because, in terms of talent, Kyle, I think he's he's in terms of one-on-one scoring probably. Without question, their second best option.
1: Yeah, and I agree. You know, and part of the issue is Brad gives everybody the green light. You know, and so everybody feels like you know they have the freedom to take the shot. And but you do need uh, sort of a pecking order, especially when Kyrie's out there. We know Kyrie's you know the top offensive weapon. But is it Tatum that's it? Is it Gordon Hayward that we need to be more aggressive? You know, one of those two guys, I would imagine you know, has to have stretches where they're the best player on the floor. And we saw that a lot last year from Tatum. Uh, This year, not as much. And so I think the issue is when Kyrie goes out, are you going to be able to score points? But secondly, I want to bring up, and I asked Al Horford about this the other day, and and he didn't agree with me, but I think their fourth-quarter defense, the rating still says, you know, they're a top-10, fourth-quarter, top-five, fourth-quarter defense – but when you look at the eye test and the actual numbers, how many times have they given up 30 or more points in the fourth quarter? And Brad mentioned this during pregame the other day. At some point, you have to get a stop. And too many times this season than not, they haven't been able to do that. So I think that's an issue also with this Celtics team. Can they clamp down and actually get that stop? Obviously, Marcus Smart was out uh, you know, in that Philly game, and I think he may have made a difference, but – they need to start playing a better fourth quarter defense also, I think.
0: And look at Morris at the end of that game. I mean, Morris was a train wreck defensively Then the end of that game. He lost somebody back to It was pretty much game over from there. You're right. And this is a team that builds its mentality off its defense. They feed off their defense. And, and, what's, and it's surprising to me only because – you know, you put this team on paper, and you're like, wow, that's an offensive team that's going to be really tough to guard. I hope their defense, is, you know, can kind of match up. When Hayward goes down, they revert immediately to, okay, now we're a defensive team that has to win games with their defense. And I feel like that maybe has been lost a little bit this season. I mean, they have good individual defenders. I mean, Marcus Smart is just insane. <laughs> he's he's just probably – you want to talk about one of my guys, Kyle? Marcus Smart has always been one of my guys from the very beginning. Uh, Jason Tatum with his length can be a problem on defense. Jalen Brown has been playing a lot better defense recently with the exception of a couple of the brain farts he has, uh, scattered throughout the past couple of the games. Aaron Baines when he plays is a great defensive player. You know, Al Horford is a guy that can stretch it out in terms of, you know, covering guys with perimeter, but then recover back to the big in the middle. They have the pieces. It's just, again, it, I feel, it feels like concentration is their biggest issue right now, and focus at the end of games when they know they need to stop it. I I just feel like they're not focused, Kyle.
1: No, I agree. And, 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 you know, all it takes is a couple of possessions. You look at that Denver game, you know, end of the third, beginning of the fourth, Jalen Brown with those couple of, you know, defensive lapses, you know, gave Denver some new life. And, and, And I think, you know, when we talk about consistency, not only consistency in play, but the consistent mental focus throughout that's something this team uh, hasn't had. You know, and, and one of the issues, too, you mentioned how, you know, they, they're, ideally they should be a defensive-minded team, right? That's, you know, in the past few years, it's all, all been about their defense. But I feel like more times than not, this team relies on its offense to get its defense going when it should be the other way around. When shots aren't falling, you can see the lack of focus. You can see the body language change. When they're making their threes and hitting shots, I feel like the intensity turns up and it should be the other way around for the Celtics.
0: Quick break from drapes to tell you today's show is brought to you by betonline.ag. Lots of good NBA games come this week to throw some money on. And I got to be honest with you. You don't want me telling you at least like uh, spreads to bet on. I'm not great at spreads. I'm going to tell you who's going to win. So you're going to want to look at the money line. If you're looking for anything in terms of gambling Celtics specifically, they have the Spurs tonight. This is Sunday uh, I'm, the Spurs are playing really well right now. C's are not playing, they're playing okay. They're banged up, but the Spurs usually play them really well. Uh, and it usually ends up with a, uh, a Celtics loss because Pop usually runs circles around Stevens every once in a while. Um, so I would avoid that one, but C's play the Cavs on Tuesday, locking that money line and locking the money line the pace against the Celtics coming up. On Friday in terms of other NBA action around this week because there are plenty of good games to gamble on looking at Tuesday night I'm again if you want to throw some money down on Bucks Rockets by all means do so love the Bucks there uh Kings Mavericks automatic money give to the Kings I love the Kings in that matchup Pistons Nuggets in Denver I like the Nuggets there on Tuesday Thursday more games of course you want an automatic lock of a win take the Raptors over the Knicks. Easy money, folks. All of that, plus, of course, you have the great virtual casino at BetOnline.ag, okay? But make sure when you go and log in to your account or sign up for a new account, use the promo code CLNS50. That's 5-0, thats five zero clns 50 for that 50% bonus on your deposit when you sign in. Don't be left to the sidelines with all this excitement going on in the court. The virtual casino's going on. Plus, March Madness going on all throughout this month. Make some money all the time with March Madness. Like I I also produced Jeff Goodman's show, right? The Good and Plenty. We had SVP Scott Van Pelt from ESPN on. And Jeff and Scott are just giving out lines and giving out money, basically. So sign up today. When you sign up, make sure you go to betonline.ag slash and use that promo code CLNS50 at CLNS50 for a 50% bonus on your first deposit. I want to continue with that Denver game because with all the, the BS with this team and with all the, the nonsense and with all the drama and all that stuff, you got to admit, that that night and the tribute for Isaiah Thomas was very special, no?
1: Oh, no doubt about it. And, and, you know, when you look at, you know, we could say the last, what, seven years of Celtics basketball, you know, the Isaiah Thomas years were the highlight. I mean, the king of the fourth, you know, making it to the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, that season he had his uh, last full season where he's averaging 29 points. And, uh, you know, he sort of really – you know, when we look at where this team is now, to me, it started with Isaiah Thomas. I know people want to go back to the Brooklyn trade, but getting Isaiah Thomas and him playing at an all-star, all-NBA kind of level, that led to getting Al Horford. Uh, that led to signing Gordon Hayward. That led to trading for Kyrie. So all these things come, you know, that trade to get Isaiah Thomas, you know, to me is is one of the best that Danny ever made because it's sort of... uh not only brought excitement back to the squad, it uh, quickened the rebuild. It accelerated it. And then it also let you you know, sign a free agent like Al. And also Isaiah Thomas was the key part in that trade for Kyrie. And so if you don't get Isaiah, I don't think you get to this point if you're at a Celtics organization as soon as you did.
0: I miss him so much. I miss all the highlight stuff. I miss just the energy he brought all the time. Um, and I, my favorite game, and I know people will go to the one in the, in the playoffs where he had 50 against the Wizards. My favorite one, it actually was the one earlier in the year in December, late December. He goes for 50, I think 54 against Miami with like 27 in the fourth quarter where he was unguardable. I think Floyd Mayweather was there that day, and I, I think he was fueling off the, uh, the vibes from Floyd a little bit. But it was just such a an awesome environment, and to watch him go against you know not just Hassan Whiteside, right? You have the games against the Jazz where he's taking on Rudy Gobert one on one, and he's taking on like the fearlessness that Isaiah plays with, and 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 unfortunately we don't get to see that right now because he's still coming back from injury. But the fearlessness that guy played with is something I think a lot of people, and just whether you're a fan of the Celtics or a casual NBA observer, love to watch. Like that's the kind of stuff you want. A five eight guy, barely five eight, right? A five eight guy going in there attacking guys that are twice the size almost, and just saying, Screw it, I'm gonna get to I'm gonna get to my spot, I'm gonna get my shot off, and there's nothing you can do about it. That was the stuff that made Isaiah Thomas a legend. And then all the stuff he played through, played through this hip injury that has cost him two years of his career and over a hundred million dollars. I like mean, let's be honest about it. Isaiah Thomas made one of the worst bets on himself in probably NBA history in terms of monetary value. Guy has cost himself over $100 million. And what was so cool about that night was that it felt like for a second that the fans for once could say thank you to Isaiah the way they wanted to. And I thought whoever put the video stuff together did a great job. Whoever does that with the Celtics did a great job. And it was such a special night for Boston that it really meant a lot to me. But what's funny to me is, Kyle, I threw this out on Twitter the other day, and I got a lot of flack for it. And I got a lot of praise for it. It's interesting. I never created so much like drama on Twitter in my entire life. Who's a better leader in your, in your mind, Kyrie Irving or Isaiah Thomas?
1: Oh, that's a tough question, right? Because, you know, I, I think when you look at Isaiah and, and what he was able to do, a, a lot of that was, you know, the perfect storm. You know, he, he was brought into a perfect situation. Brad Stevens and the Celtics allowed him to be who he is. Uh, Right now, you could argue you have better talent around Kyrie Irving. Uh, And and so maybe Kyrie uh, isn't, like, trust me, Kyrie can go out there and average 40 points a game if he wanted to, like if the offense was designed that way. Um, I think Kyrie's learning to be a leader. But at the end of the day, it's all about the final results. Uh, And so if Kyrie drags this team or gets this team to the Eastern Conference Finals, the same point Isaiah did, the results are the same. So it doesn't matter. I think, you know, Kyrie's a bigger superstar, but the love affair that fans had during that two and a half years that Isaiah Thomas was in Boston, I don't think we've seen that yet. I think people enjoy watching Kyrie, but I don't think people have that affection, that emotional connection with Kyrie yet, and, and I think that's the big difference.
0: The one thing I I got caught up in watching a bunch of Isaiah Thomas clips um, that day. I mean, that just to get caught up in the whirlwinds. But the one thing I did notice at the end of games, like Isaiah, for as much as you want to talk about you know him back of the brings truck and all that stuff, he was actually quite eloquent at the end of games. And I thought he did a great job of of lifting up his teammates at the end of the games and talking about them and praising them in a way that sometimes. It bugs me about Kyrie. like Sometimes he doesn't quite know exactly how to praise his teammates the right way, where Isaiah was more of a natural thing for him. But your point being these teams are way better than Isaiah's teams, and Kyrie has so much more to balance is one that I didn't really think about at the time. Now that I think about it, it's just so much harder to be a leader of a team that has so much talent on it. Like You you look around, right? You could put Jason Tatum on any rebuilding team, and he probably automatically just becomes the leader of the team because he's young Everybody's pushing it that way. He's good. Everybody can latch on to that. He doesn't have that, that opportunity here. Or, like, a guy like Jalen Brown, who's very cultural. He's out and doing, you know, seminars and giving lectures at a Harvard Business School. You know, he's so cultured, doing interviews with with, with all these different magazines and getting all these publications. Like, he could be one of these guys. And yet, it has to be Kyrie because we give it to the best player, right? That's, that's who it's all about. Give it to the best player. That's got to be the leader of the team. When in reality, you look at some of the stuff that people say off the court, like Marcus Smart is a guy that seems to, like, on the court bring that energy that that Celtics need. And off the court, it feels like Al Horford sometimes is that really quiet, like, do stuff behind closed doors, talk to you quietly when the cameras are off and nobody's looking. I feel like there's maybe a power riff on this team and that we quite haven't really dug into yet. yeah, I don't know
1: uh, about a power rift. I I know you got guys who are looking to prove themselves on the floor, whether it's Terry, Jalen, or Jason. And so that's something you didn't have when Isaiah Thomas was there. You you know, when Isaiah Thomas had his team with the Celtics, you had a bunch of guys who, you know, came from other teams who sort of had chips on their shoulders that, you know, they were, you know, uh, you know, they just wanted to prove they belonged in the NBA, the Jay Crowders uh, of the world, the Jerefkos, uh, you know. And so they sort of allowed Isaiah to, to be a leader. But I will say, even back when Isaiah was here, you heard players talking about Marcus Smart being the heart and soul of the team. And, you know, up until even last year, you heard people saying Marcus Smart is the heart and soul of this team. I think, you know, with, with Kyrie, uh, as great of a player as he is, uh, he's in a different situation. Uh, now, because like I said, Tatum feels like, you know what, I helped lead this team to Eastern Conference Finals game seven. Rozier, Jalen Brown. I mean, you got a lot of guys looking to make their mark in the NBA and, and show that they, they've taken that next step where maybe you didn't have that as much with Isaiah.
0: i get you out of here on this last question here, Drapes, because I know, you know, time is precious here. But looking at the matchups here, Boston looks like they're going to draw Indiana. And then if they get past Indiana, looks like Milwaukee's the next on the horizon. In your estimation, this is the ideal scenario for Boston. Let Toronto and Philly, one of those guys, knock each other off, take on Milwaukee, who has Giannis, best player in the conference, no question. But outside of that, a lot of question marks there. You think it's just setting up perfectly for Boston to maybe make a run?
1: Yeah, but, you know, it's, it's going to be tough no matter what. I, I will say the first round matchup against uh, Indiana to me is the most uh advantageous for the Celtics out of the other like I'd rather them open with Indiana than have to play and go to Philly in the first round so it is breaking well Toronto has been the Celtics kryptonite or the but I'm not still not a hundred percent sold on the Raptors uh Kyle Lowry's banged up right now the bench as great as it's been at times during the regular seasons has sort of been up and down for the Raptors uh this Milwaukee team scares me, although they're dealing with the injuries right now. I think, you know, people forget how good Bledsoe is. And I understand, you know, Terry Rozier got the best of them last year in the playoffs. But let's not forget, if that game seven would have been in Milwaukee in the first round, there's a good chance the Bucks would have won that game. And so, uh, you know, in the dream scenario, this is the perfect, you know, path to get to the NBA Finals. But it's it, by no stretch of the imagination. This isn't going to be easy. I mean, you're going to have to go into Milwaukee and, and beat Giannis. And let's be honest, Giannis has actually, you know, uh, look at this season. The Bucks uh, own the head-to-head. You look at last season in the postseason. I mean, it, it went down to a game seven. And so, you know, let's not uh, act like these, this Bucks team isn't for real. Uh, the Bucks will still be the favorite in a matchup against the Celtics. But I'd rather see them sooner. Than let's say see a Toronto who uh, no doubt has the Celtics number.
0: That's going to do it for this episode with my guy, Kyle Draper. You can follow him on Twitter, Uh, at uh, KyleDraperTV. You can see him all over the place on uh, NBC Sports Boston. I almost threw Comcast out there, my bad. NBC Sports Boston, Uh, (laughs) Kyle Draper's on pregame shows, on postgame live. He does play-by-play. He's the man of many talents. Kyle Draper, thank you very much. I appreciate the time, my man. All right, no problem. Thanks for having me on. And that will do it for this edition of Celtics Beat here on CLNS Media. I want to thank you guys out there, the greatest audience of all time, the Celtics Beat audience. You guys are the best people. Thank you for joining us. Make sure you subscribe to the show on iTunes, on Stitcher. Subscribe to CLS's YouTube page. It's, I mean, there's like 20,000 of you at this point. You guys are all incredible. I can't believe there's 20,000 of you. Uh, keep spreading the word, though. We're going to be all over the place for the playoffs. We're going to be at every game. We're going to be inside the locker rooms. We're going to be doing you know, post-game reports with the Garden Report. We're all over the place for the playoffs, so stay tuned for that. Plus, coverage in all the other sports, Red Sox, Bruins, Patriots, my boy Evan Lazar is absolutely killing it on the Patriots side. Pay attention to him in terms of the draft stuff. Nobody better around in terms of draft stuff. Detailed draft information than Evan Lazar on CLNS Media. Want to thank my bosses, Nick Jelso, Larry H. Russell. John Zanis and, of course, Adam Kaufman. He may be back next week. He may not. I might be feeling generous. I might be filling in for him again. We'll see. I'll talk to him and see how he might be missing you guys so much that he'll want to just come crawling back. So stay tuned for more of that, more of this show. This show is brought to you in part by AG. Go to clnsmedia.com slash beat Use that promo code CLNS50 and check out their 50% bonus on our deposit. I love you guys. We'll see you next time. Gino, let's get out of here.
1: sports fans. I'm Coach Nick of the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast on the CLNS Media Network. I break down the NBA from a coach's perspective and have some of the best basketball minds join me weekly to discuss the latest NBA news and what's truly going on on the court. Subscribe to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or find us on clnsmedia.com. It's a great conversation. You in?